Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Ben Tomzak on January 31st, 2021 on the basis of 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Christ, the Word made flesh. Amen. Word of God for us this morning. First book of Samuel, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The word of God. My dear friends in Christ, we find ourselves in the tent of meeting. This is Israel's main church, their central church. This is the tabernacle that Moses built by instruction of the Lord. This is before they have the temple Solomon built. And we find inside the tent of meeting tonight the high priest, Eli, and he sleeps. Samuel, his assistant, his apprentice, his vicar, he tries. But Eli can't see. So Samuel has to be on call. Samuel has to be on call in case Eli needs to get up and go somewhere, in case he needs to use the bathroom or get a drink or has some vital religious function to perform. So it's kind of a restless night for Samuel. He's maybe asleep, but maybe it's better to say he gets to drowse off now and again, and so he's probably tired, maybe a little bit punchy because it's a long night. And all of this describes Israel's spiritual condition at the time perfectly. Blind, drowsy, punchy, kind of out of sorts. Maybe it describes ours too. You want to get the big picture of what Israel was like at the time? Just go home today and read the book of Judges and read the rest of Samuel's book. And you'll see, you'll see that every day is just about the worst. It's been zero days, exactly zero days since the last spiritual accident occurred here in Israel. For example, the children of the high priest, the presumptive high priest to come, Eli's sons, these guys are schmucks. They're schmucks greater which than there ever had been. And we see much the same today. We look around today and we see that faithful churches and faithful pastors are, well, 
Let's be honest, they're in the minority. Half, half of the world's Christians live underneath the rule of the Pope and his words, his rules. Most Lutherans in the world have lost touch with the idea that the Bible is the word of God. And it's not an idea, it's the teaching of Scripture. 93% of the world's Lutherans, 72 million out of about 80 million Lutherans around the world have aligned themselves with churches, whether Lutheran or otherwise, who do not believe that the Bible is the word of God. Or if they say they do, they don't carry it out in practice by what they teach and believe. And we haven't even begun to talk about the schmucks who call themselves pastors these days. We live in a world that's drifted and drifting. And it's such a world that we see in Samuel today. In a drifting nation, God calls a child. He calls a kid. He calls the kind of person we're used to kind of ignoring and looking right past. Samuel, he's maybe, maybe 12 years old or so. We don't pay attention to our 12-year-olds. I have a 12-year-old. She doesn't know anything. But this one, this one you want to take a look at. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. He's right there, right next to God's ark. Of course, there's the curtain divide him, but he's as close as you can possibly be to the place where God says he will be present with his people. So close. And yet at the same time, it's so far. That's Israel. They have everything. They've got God among them. They are God's picked and chosen people. He has spoken his word directly to them, as we heard in Deuteronomy. They are so close. They've got God's house right there. And, and yet you know your Sunday school stories about the history of Old Testament Israel. They are so far. What about us? We're in God's house right now. Yet how far away are we? Are you even paying attention to me right now? How long can I hope to hold your attention? What exactly is it that's going on in God's tent of meeting this night? What, what's happening here? Eli and Samuel are in the tent of meeting because they're forming a particular religious function. They need to keep an eye on a lampstand. When God gave Moses all those instructions for building the tabernacle, one of the things they built was a lampstand with candles to be lit. Well, they weren't candles then. It was filled with olive oil, and, and they would be lit, and they had to be lit from evening until morning, which means someone's got to watch them to make sure they stay lit, which means we have kind of a lock-in situation. And since Samuel's the low man on the totem pole, he's the one that gets to stay awake all night, not the high priest, which again explains a little bit why Samuel is a bit drowsy, a little bit punchy a little bit out of sorts when he starts hearing voices. Further, we hear that the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Now, that doesn't mean that Eli and Samuel don't know the word of God. Eli is the high priest of God. He knows the words. He's been reading the scrolls of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy his entire life. He's been teaching those words to Samuel. Every time Samuel enters into the tent of meeting, he is doing something in accordance with the commands of Moses in those words. What it means is that the Lord isn't giving direct revelations to his people just now, as he did to Noah, for example, when he said, hey, build me an ark. And he's not appearing to his people in dreams and visions as, as he did to Joseph or, or to Abraham. And he hasn't sent a, a big-time prophet in a while like, like Moses. 
So when it says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, that's kind of like me when you mention to me somebody's name and I say, I know that name, I've heard of them, but I've never met them. Further, the Holy Spirit says that the Word of God was rare. It was like gold or diamonds. So when you find it, hang on to it. When you hear it, listen. I think about Jesus' parable, the, the parable of the, the, rich, the man who found a treasure in a field. He sold everything he had to buy that field. You don't get a lot of opportunities like that, so when you get them, take them. Because right now, in Samuel's life, It's a famine. A later prophet, his name was Amos, talks about such a situation that would occur later in Israel's history. He's speaking the Lord's words here. The Lord said through Amos, I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. What a dreadful thought that is that God sends the famine. God sends it. But we cause it. Again, just look at the time of the Judges. Seriously, you've got to read this book if you haven't. It is quite the thing. You read Judges and you see that God, for centuries, it was multiple centuries over the course of the book, in which he sent almost no direct revelations to people. There were some, but not a lot. And he sent almost no prophets. There's, there's Deborah, a prophetess, and there was an anonymous man of God, but, but otherwise, almost no direct words to his people. Not because he quit on them, though. They quit on him. Think about it. When it becomes clear to you that someone has stopped listening to you, don't you eventually stop talking to them? And God could do almost nothing worse. A famine of the word of God effectively damns us to hell. A famine of the word of God is God saying, all right, well, you do you. A famine of the word of God is handing us over to ourselves. St. Paul writes about this too. In Romans chapter 1, he takes a look at the, the Roman Empire, the Roman world in which he lives, and he points at the incredible sexual perversions that are so common at that time. Specifically, he writes about homosexual sins And he says, that's what's happening here, where the Lord our God says, you want it? Fine. You do you. We live at a time like Samuel's. Then God didn't directly speak to his people. He didn't give visions. He didn't send amazing prophets. And, well, he doesn't really operate in those ways right now either. I don't know people who've seen amazing, amazing visions. I haven't heard the voice of the Lord speaking to me in an audible way. I haven't encountered a Moses or an Elijah. Possibly, possibly, because he's already given us his Bible. He's given us his word. We have 66 books, 1,300 chapters, more than we can possibly deal with. But but possibly also because we've found every possible sexual sin in which to luxuriate not to mention any number of other abandonments of the Word of God, a countless host of them. Just like they did in the time of Samuel. But the Lord called Samuel. The Lord called him, even though things were about as bad as they could possibly be. And just when you say that, things will get worse, right? I mean, look at the time. 
Look at how this famine of the word of God had affected and infected even the highest clergy. It's Eli, the high priest, and he's a disgrace to the office. Even if only because he could not take control of his sons, the two pastors who would someday perhaps be the high priest. And what were they doing? It's disgusting. They were sleeping with the women who were waiting to offer sacrifices in the temple. We call this sexual abuse. And they were extorting money and, and offerings from people, kind of threatening, well, well, if you don't give us a little bit more, you know, I don't know if we can really get a good answer from God for you. And it's not like the people were innocent. Again, you, you know the history of Old Testament Israel from Sunday school, and if you don't, you've got to read it. You've got to read Moses' books and Judges and Samuel, and you see this is a nation that committed adultery with every foreign nation they could. They committed adultery with every foreign god that they could. Again, the world hasn't changed all that much. Look at yourselves. I look at my life and I see how I act when I ignore the voice of the Lord that he speaks to me, the voice that I have. I'm a lawless wretch. I unite myself to whomever I want, sexually or otherwise. Despite being told by Christ in his word that I am, by virtue of baptism, a part of Christ, that I am in Christ and so pure. We don't have to look very far to see how far things have fallen. Just look here in Samuel. Eli, the high priest of God, you know what he can't do anymore? He can't recognize the Lord's voice. What a stunner that is. The high priest doesn't know what God sounds like. Although eventually he sort of cottons on, doesn't he? Hmm. I didn't call Samuel. There's no one else here. It is God's house. Maybe we don't have to be so hard on Eli, though. Or Samuel. It's like three in the morning. Who knows heads from tails at three in the morning, right? If you heard a strange sound, strange noise, strange voice in your house at three in the morning, what would you assume? Probably that it was a spouse, a kid, the dog, your phone that you forgot to turn off. And Samuel, come on, he's 12. He's 12 and he's never heard the voice of the Lord. How in all the world is he supposed to know how these things work and that this is how things go? And, and let's be honest. If you had a friend who thought every strange noise he heard was the voice of God, wouldn't you kind of wonder a little bit about your friend? But in this case, it is the Lord. It's Christ calling from heaven. Because as bad as things have gotten, God can't just stay away. He cannot. He refuses to stay away. And it's not just any old God. This is the big one. The capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. That special name that is only for the true God. That name we hear in Exodus 34 when he gives it to Moses and reveals his glory to Moses and says, I am the promise maker and the promise keeper. I am the slow to anger. I am the abounding in love. I am the forgiver. And that Lord has words for Samuel. And we discover that this is how God works. This is always how God works. It is always arrowed down. It is always God coming down to us. Samuel didn't ask for this. 
Samuel didn't seek out the Lord's words. It's not like he was behind Eli's back doing some magical incantations or summoning charms to try to hear the voice of God. No, he just worked every day in God's sanctuary in this tent of meeting. And he heard and he read and he studied the words of God from Moses. He didn't seek the call. The call sought him. The Lord sought him. The word sought him. And that means when you hear the word of God, you realize you're hearing your Lord calling you. And when you hear the word of God, that means your answer really needs to be the exact same one as Samuel's. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Because here's truth. God speaks. And it's always his word. It's not feelings. It's not inclinations. It's not urges. It's words. He says things. Our Lutheran confession, specifically one called the Small Called Articles, always calls however God speaks God's word, whether it's through angels, visions, dreams, preachers, Gabriel to Mary, God's word, burning bush to Moses, God's word, words of prophets and apostles written down on scrolls, passed down to us in scriptures we call the Bible, God's word. Another truth? It's always clear when it's the Lord speaking. Just like it'll be clear on Judgment Day that Jesus has come, no one on Judgment Day is going to stand there and nudge you and say, hey, is this the big one? Is this Jesus? No, we're all going to know. And it's the same with the Word of God. When the Lord says things, He says them, and He says them in intelligible words, not gut instincts, not not a burning in my bosom, not a rumbly in my tumbly, but words. And they aren't words in a voice that sounds conveniently like you. They are clear and they are the Lord. We're so bad at this. We're terrible at this, which is why we have to speak the way Samuel did. Speak. God, you talk. Speak, Lord. It's God. It's the big guy. He gets to talk. Who am I? Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. I belong to you. I'll do whatever you say, Lord. I want to pull God's things out of God's word, not put my things in. When I preached to you, when any of your pastors preached to you, we're not trying to invent anything. I just want to say to you, I just want to repeat to you the things that God has been saying from creation. Which, as I mentioned at the beginning, is not a given in a lot of churches in the world, is it? You can't even assume it's a given in your own church, which is why the Lord says to test the spirits, and that means your own pastor. Which causes me to wonder. I wonder how many times the Lord was going to call Samuel that night. He did four. Would he have done it a fifth? Or a tenth? Or a fifteenth? Or a twentieth if they hadn't figured things out? Just like I kind of wonder how long the Lord is going to leave the gospel, his word among us. Dr. Luther once compared the preaching of the gospel to a a passing rain shower. It's in a place, and then it moves on. But I can tell you that it's here now. Do you know how I know that? 
couple of Sundays ago, I baptized a newborn child in his home. And I'm going to do it again next Sunday. In these past couple of weeks, I've been able to take the Word of God into assisted living and, and retirement complexes and share it with members of our church. I've distributed the body and blood of Christ to groups of Christians like you. I taught catechism and Bible studies this week. I'm preaching. The Lord speaks. Are you waiting? Are you still waiting to hear the Word of God? It's here, now. The Bible, baptism, the breaking of bread. And you know what it says? You were bought at a price. And that price was Christ. Christ is the one thing that connects earth and heaven. He called himself that. He said, I am the stairway, God's stairway, God's stairway between earth and heaven upon which we walk by faith. The Father built it, the Son paid for it with his blood, and the Holy Spirit, well, he takes you there to those stairs. Because this is your God. This is what he reveals in Epiphany. Your God reveals that he just can't leave you alone. He just can't leave you alone in your sin and your health. He has to talk to you. He has to tell you. He has to love you. And that is why, as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, we honor God with our bodies. Because he honored us with his body first. His body given for you. His blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, I sometimes think about Jesus on the cross, and as we prepare for Lent, we start thinking about Good Friday and, and the words Jesus spoke from the cross. There are historically seven of them, but there was another, another voice he gave on the cross. It was that groan, that, that cry at, at the end as he gave up his spirit. And I wonder if it was just a, a sigh, a, a groan, or if it was one last word. And if it was one last word, this unearthly groan as is, is your God gave up his life for you, I wonder if those words were for you. Because that's what your God says. For you. So as you're reading in Samuel here, instead of just hearing Samuel, Samuel, I need you to insert your name. Find yourself all over the scriptures. As you hear Jesus, as you hear Jesus say, I picked you. I chose you. I called you. I did this for you. Amen.